You're listening to the Fantasy Wildcard Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Wildcard Dynasty Show. I'll be a host this week. Matt, you can follow me on Twitter at MattFFDynasty. With me as always, I've got two amazing co-hosts. First up, we've got Ali, who you can follow on Twitter at FFDynastyGrill. Ali, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you, Matt. Yeah, excited to kick off our sort of real proper off-season now. We've talked about free agency um, but we're we're digging into the rookies now, so yeah, this is the juicy stuff. Um, got a great guest tonight, so yeah, can't wait to get going. Yeah, absolutely, we do have a great guest coming on. But before we get to his amazing guest, I'll introduce us other amazing co-host who coincidentally has the same name. But this is our Kev, who you can follow on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Goat. Kev, how are you doing? I'm doing absolutely brilliant, to be honest. Yeah, it's the the first show of draft season as such, so had to get a big hitter on. Um, I guess. Early on today, I had some IKEA meatballs, which are just absolutely delightful. So I'm in a fantastic mood. Um, what a way to end the uh, end the evening, is such over over for us here in the UK. With uh, uh, the the the, um, the audience probably thinking it's Kevin White, the old uh, NFL receiver, but we've gone even better than that. So uh, yeah, let's go. Absolutely, yeah. It sounds like you've had a great day, Kev. But like you mentioned, it's uh, it's only going to get better with our amazing guest that's coming on. He's a writer at Football Guys, content creator over at the Debbie Royale, and the first ever winner of Tags Rising Star Award. We give a warm wildcard return to Kevin Coleman, who you can follow on Twitter at Daboys underscore twenty two. Kevin, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I just found out that IKEA has anything but furniture, so that's new. <laughs> I didn't know. It's not a California thing out here. I like that little meatballs and you can like put together a little awning, but uh, no, that's, that's great. I appreciate you guys having me on. I love you guys. You guys are some of my favorites. So um, I'm always excited when I get the call, I get the call up and you say, Hey, we need to talk about some rookies. No, absolutely. We need you on Kevin to, to, to let all the listeners know your, your wealth of knowledge on these, on these rookies. I mean, we can let you know about IKEA and what that offers. You can let us know about what these rookies are going to do for us um, <laughs> heading into, heading into next year. And that leads us on nicely to, to the start of the show where we're going to be diving into to this rookie season. And obviously the rookies that are coming in and Kev, you're going to be letting us know your studs and duds. So basically the guys that you're going to be targeting, the guys you're going to be avoiding in your upcoming rookie drafts. So we'll kick straight things off, go to the quarterback position. Who's the stub quarterback that you're looking to target this offseason? Yeah, so <clears throat> going into it and looking kind of overall, like um, just right off the bat, it's going to be Bryce Young. And I, and I think the reason why when you're looking at like just ADP right now, he's getting drafted as the third quarterback. So I think that um, I like that. I think he's a value there. 104, 105 consistently you can get there. Um, if you haven't watched Bryce and if you're kind of like just getting into it, um, the biggest thing from him is he does everything well. He's just small. Like if he if he was not, you know, 5'10", 1, you know, 200, like we'll put those in quotes. Um, but if he was in that area, we'd be talking about him as being one of the better prospects ever. Um, but, you know, as a strengths, awareness, out of stru- structure playmaking, I think is what fits him really well. So like when he goes to a team, which maybe the Texans, maybe these play wherever he goes, like he's going to be able to make things happen um, out- outside of that pocket. And I think that's that elevates him from a fantasy perspective because he can run ish. Like you can see that he has the ability. He just doesn't want to take a lot of hits because if he does he might die. So like, that's where you're going to get into that. Like he could get hurt and you have those areas, but accuracy, this kid's got it all. It's just a size, but I think from an accuracy perspective, he can layer the ball at every different level of the field. Like he extends plays, gets outside the pocket. He's probably the best on the run because he's done it the most like CJ, these other guys, we haven't seen that outside the pocket stuff very much, but Bryce, we have. So like, he's a very safe prospect, but I, I, he's been my QB one since he was a freshman in, in college. So like I was always on his train. I never really liked DJU very much. And I was always a Bryce guy. Um, I've actually watched Bryce play in high school. So I'm definitely biased there, but like, he's one of my favorite prospects ever. And I, I just think that when you get him, he's a gamer and it's hard to measure that in spreadsheets. And I get that. Um, but like he's got that he's got that it factor about him that he can elevate teams. Yeah, for me, we're not going to see Bryce Young get out of the top two picks in the the real life NFL draft. Um, we know just how good he's been in college. For me, he is the best quarterback in this in this class in terms of real life um, real life quarterback play. And for me, he's probably got the highest floor. Um, obviously, if you are getting him at one hundred four, which we're seeing in in quite a few drafts, that is the biggest smash of all time. To be honest, to be able to 
to land Bryce Young at the 104 is pretty it's pretty incredible and and yeah the, he has had a few question marks just over the size um coming in at the combine weighing over 200 pounds is uh is obviously a big tick for for Bryce Young um not concerned about the height I mean it was just the the weight but that's certainly certainly a big tick in the box there um one of the best guys to to progress for his reads probably the best quarterback in this class and as you mentioned uh the 49 rushes in 2022 is not not exactly Konami code quarterback, but it certainly does help in terms of in terms of fantasy rushing. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a guy that just lives as a quarterback one for the next few years. Um, yeah, such a such a high floor that if you can get him in the the one or three, one or four spot, that's an absolute smash for me. Yeah, one oh four is a lovely range. I think what you were saying about him that he does everything well, but he's a bit small. It sounds like me in the bedroom, but we'll quickly move on. Um, I think. Back end QB one, like he's he's gonna live there. He's gonna be so yeah. solid. He's a safe, safe, safe prospect for real life and dynasty. So, yeah, I mean, what what you really don't want to do in your in your rookie draft, especially in a great class like this, is take a miss early on in the drafts. Now, I do love Miss Anthony Richardson, but I can see many teams where I would lean to to go to a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud just because they have a less of a bus factor. Um, a lot would be, depend on which QBs I've got on that roster as well. But as a player, he's he's absolutely fantastic. There's not a lot that he can't do. Um, he is the size, like you said. Um, I think he's yeah. Getting him, whoever you get the 104, in my opinion, is going to be a steal uh, out of those three QBs. Maybe you don't have those three QBs in the same tier, but but I do. And I think um, yeah, whether whether you take it at 104, whether's the last QB out of those three that you're getting is a great value. Yeah, I completely agree with what all three of you said, to be honest. It, it feels like that that can't miss quarterback. I think it is literally just down to, to that size. And I feel like people are maybe looking into that a little bit too much because you just look at what he's been able to do in college. Five-star recruit. He's, he's literally throughout his college career, this guy's produced. So it feels like people are just looking for a reason not to like him rather than looking at all the facts that point towards him being a, a great success in the NFL. And okay, before we move on, I do just want to touch upon one thing. You mentioned how you've been a big fan of him like throughout his college career. And obviously you've been a big Debbie guy. Obviously you get quite attacked to these guys how much does that factor into to your process when moving into to like when these college prospects move into to the nfl how much is there of that like take like you don't want to let go of these guys because you've been into them for, for so long how much does that factor in with you and, and playing fantasy football so um what i always try to say is like i i don't know because like it's tough because you hear this all the time I, I see all the criticisms about this like on i don't even want to pretend like twitter's a thing anymore but it is and like they'll say like why do you like you know you just like this guy from this and i think it can happen right like i think isaiah spiller was like that last year a lot of dudes yeah. loved isaiah spiller for a long time and then they kind of fell flat in their face um and I, and I think it's just a mix. Like, I think with Bryce, he's just someone that I felt like, hey, he's done it at every level. And I think the thing with me with the size thing is, like, he did, he's been this size since high school. And he was the number five, you know, five-star kid. He went to Alabama. And he, you know, he he elevated the thing with Bryce. And I know this wasn't the question. I'm sorry. But the thing with Bryce, when you're looking about in college, like, he took Georgia's defense last year, the year before, 2020. Like, that team that won the national title two years ago for Georgia – he beat that defense, and that defense is probably consistently ranked as a top defense ever the last 20 years. Like, he he took them, and then he almost took them to the brink. He just lost Jamison Williams in the National Championship game, and he could have done it again. And, like, and I think that's one thing when we look at Bryce's profile that people, like, this is the thing you don't see on the sheets, right? Like, I always – Dave Wright's going to yell at me, but I, you don't see it on the sheets. So, what you don't see is – that offense and everybody says well of course alabama has weapons well they hadn't really like this year they really struggled with weapons like um Corey brooks took a step back gibbs was probably their best pass catcher on that team but he couldn't get on the field because he kept getting taken off by Saban for being a bad pass blocker he got bryce killed like multiple times and then no one else stepped up they had injuries transfers those type of things um and bryce was able to elevate it so for me when i say like yeah i've, I've been on him this whole long it's 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 a combination of both um, but I think there is like some stuff you got to like be careful with because I think you can fall like Zach Evans, for example, from Ole Miss. I like Zach Evans, but he's not going to get the draft capital I want to like. So I'm, I've already kind of shifted away like, hey, that's probably that's probably a miss for me in terms of Debbie. Um, hopefully he doesn't. But if he doesn't get the draft capital. So I think it's a mix of, of both. Like you just have to trust your gut, too. Um, and, and there's a little bit of sense of arrogance with these things too. Like, Hey, I, I, I know this guy, like I've seen him, I've watched him, I play, like I, I have faith in him that he could do it. Um, and to be honest, quarterback's position is such a crapshoot anyway, that like, you just have to trust like what you've seen. And then you hope that's, that's the real deal. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I love that you gave that that breakdown. I just find it really interesting to see how you you pivot off these guys when when it comes yeah. to, to them coming to the NFL. So, yeah, I love that. And now we're going to move on to, to the running back. This is a guy where you don't have that problem because I know you'll be in love with him throughout his college career and there's yeah. no doubt that you'll be you'll be sticking with this guy. So, at running back, who's the stud that, that you're targeting? Yeah, it's Bijan, right? Bijan Robinson from yeah. Texas. Um, I think everybody has him there. I think he's already like, and I do a ton of mocks and I do a bunch of stuff and for dynasty over at football guys. And like, he is already consensus outside the quarterbacks and Superflex, um, the number three overall player in dynasty value. So like already he's going, so it's chase Jefferson, Bijan Robinson. That's how crazy his value is already. And realistically, if we see that, we should probably be like, well, shit, we should probably trade that because that's the value. Cause I don't know if he's going to ever be that unless he's this, ultra like great amazing prospect which you could be um I, you know when you're looking at his profile overall like we comped him to edrin james and our rookie guy that we did and i think that fits him really well like i think edrin was an amazing player for the colts um he has good lateral agility robinson really good change of pace like that's the thing that's fun about watching him play like his change of pace and like explosion at the line of scrimmage is an ability to make guys miss like is, is second to none really and he's a pretty damn good receiver so like when we're looking at it He's a three down dude all the way, like give him there and, and landing spot. I don't think it really matters. I don't see a spot where I'm like, oh, that's not good for him. Like, um, I think overall, yeah, he's going to be there. I guess the one knock, if you wanted to look at like something you'd be worried about, I guess long speed overall, but he has it like he has that ability to kind of turn that turn that gear and get around the corner. So like with Bijan, like he's just special. Like he's that type of guy like that you're going into it. Like I really feel like. As far as dynasty goes, there's probably three running backs that you're probably comfortable with, like Taylor, Bijan, and then you then you're like, okay, am I comfortable with CMC there? How do I feel about Brees and Dynasty? And like that's crazy to think about that he's already up there, but he is. And so that's really all you need to know of them. And then I have guys like he's the 101 probably on all formats. And I get a lot of questions about this, like, well, I need a quarterback. Okay, you're still taking Bijan because like Kev talked about, he was smart when he said that about Bryce. Like Bryce and CJ and these guys are pretty much low-end QB1 ceiling probably because of the lack of rushing upside. So you're looking at Gino, who finished his QB6 last year. That'd probably be your ceiling for these guys. Where if Bijan, his ceiling is running back one, and you're talking about that value already built in. So like you take Bijan no matter what, even if you need a quarterback, and then you could still trade Bijan because even if – look at Brees. Brees injured himself. He's still getting valued as running back two in Dynasty. So like – you still can play with these guys in value because I think we're going to have to flip our mindset of running backs. I think Bell Cow is going to be actually more valuable pretty soon, like Travis Kelsey and these guys at the tight end position. So I think you take Bijan, but yeah, he's clear prospect. He's a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't watched him yet, I'm sure most people have, but if you haven't gone, just watch the tape. It's, it's exciting. Yeah. Just, just echoing what you said there, Kevin, like, watch the tape. It's just some of the, some of the things he does is unreal, like avoiding tackles, spinning out of tackles, just making, Defenders look di di despicable, really. Just stiff arms, everything you can imagine. Just um, outstanding tape. He makes catches down the field like wide receivers. Um, real life point of view, I think he's unreal. Um, uh, he's right up there with guys like Saquon, etc. Coming out. I think the slight pause I've got is that value that he's currently got in startups. The the highest ranked running back, the third highest player outside of QBs. Um, that's that's a risk for me because we haven't seen him in the NFL. Um, we know running backs are a volatile position anyway with injuries. And it's been smart to move off running back one whenever you can, um, just based on based on how many running backs go running back one, running back one every season. It doesn't happen. So I think we just got to temper his expectations for, for Bijan as to what it can be for, for fantasy. I think if he has a career like... Zeke Elliott, for example, just consistently top five for five, six years with uh, with maybe a little bit more on top, let's say, a couple of QB, uh, a couple of running back one season in there. I think that's what we should be looking and hoping for. Um, so, yeah, I think definite 101 in all formats for rookie drafts. I would be looking to pivot for him. The other thing I just mentioned is that he's probably not the missing piece for a lot of these 101 teams. They're 101 for a reason, so... Just be smart with that as well. Um, definitely the best running back called B. Robinson in the league. Unlucky Brian. <laughs> and uh, I can't wait till, he, uh, till he's drafted by Jerry Jones trading up in the draft to the Cowboys. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't really have too much more to add to that. I mean, you you all know, you you all listen to, to different podcasts and, and different content. Everybody's talking about Bijan, how great he is, and, and rightfully so. He is one of these elite running backs that's coming into the NFL, and he's going to wow everyone when he's on the field. Just like the, the two guys have mentioned, the two Kevs have mentioned already, it's the, the values, the, the one thing that you can maybe pick holes at because he is valued so high. You've just got to look back. Everyone's saying Bijan's probably the best prospect since the Saquon Barkley. I mean, let's just see how Saquon Barkley played out when he came into the NFL. I love Saquon Barkley. He's my favourite player in the NFL. But you can't predict what happens when they get into the NFL. Anything can happen. So the fact that he's valued so high, if, if things don't play out early and if he picks up an injury, obviously you don't want that to happen. But there's just a lot of things that can happen. And when you're at the top, there's, there's only one way to go from there in the end, and that's down. So I do fully get what, what you guys are saying. If, if you've got the 101, you probably don't need that running back. So maybe look at getting... Uh, taking advantage of that value. We, we know Bijan's the, the highest value player in, in this upcoming rookie draft. So take advantage of that and maybe look to, to adjust other needs and other areas or positions that can maybe hold value a bit more. But yeah, on Bijan himself is, is a stud and I can't wait to see him in the NFL. Yeah, there's really not too much to add really on, on Bijan. Um, he's, he's an amazing player. He's going to be, he's going to translate to the NFL really well. And as you mentioned, Kev, it's, it's a rare breed these days to have them three down backs, true three down backs, and he's going to be one of them. So his value is going to just be even even higher than it than it would be normally. Um, so yeah, not too much to add. Is is the one on one? You have to pick him in all in all formats unless you want to trade back and you are a team that are are rebuilding. Certainly, I think you should be looking to to trade off him um, in about seventy percent, seventy five percent of the the cases, unless you are just one piece or a couple of pieces away. Um, so, yeah, not too much red on BJ, but a question for you, Kev. It's a real simple one. BJ Robertson is the best prospect since who for you? Oh, I'm going to cop out. I'll just say Barkley because I like, <laughs> I, you know, Barkley coming in. I, I think Barkley and it, when I when I was doing stuff like uh, last year, I did a profile on Barkley and I compared him to Adrian Peterson because of the ACL tear and the RAS score and all of that. When you when you tie in the relative athletic score with um, Bijan, he's right there. And so and I think with his pass catching upside, he does mirror Barkley. Barkley's legit. Like Barkley had, I think he averaged over 80 targets at Penn state. And then we've seen him at the giants. Um, unfortunately I've had to watch him as a Cowboys fan on the giants. And so like, um, he's, he's legitimate in that area too. So I'll say Bijan, but like, that's weird because Bijan didn't get, I, I, I mean, I'm old, but I'm not like, I'm trying to think of where he got valued in dynasty when, B, when, when Barkley came out, he wasn't getting buzz. Like, I mean, he was getting buzz, but not like, Number one, have to take him going in, you know, first round of Superflex draft at 12. Like, that is where it, it, you better hope he holds it, right? You better hope he holds that value. And, and I think, but I, I do think you're looking at the running back position now as like a one-year dating service, kind of like, you know, just a quick, hey, I got you for a year. We'll see how this goes. Like, that's really what, what speed dating, really. That's what running backs are now <laughs> in fantasy football. It's speed dating. So that's, that's also that, right? Yeah, and, and quickly before we move on, Kevin, Kev kind of hinted at, at Bijan going to, to the Cowboys. I'd be a fool not to ask you, obviously, being a, a Cowboys fan, how would you feel if, if Bijan landed with your Cowboys? Uh, so I'm not like, I'm not a weird Cowboys fan out there. Like, I would hate it. <laughs> um, but I, I do think that we've tried this before um, with like the running back position and, I, and with Zeke. And I, obviously, it's not going to be a top five, top 10 kind of deal. If he's there, I think he'll, I think you have to consider it. Um, I think he'd be very good with Pollard. Like, I think they do complement each other very well. You get that fifth year option. So, you know, you what you're paying a running back nine or 10 million, like on a tag. Like, I get it. I, I think it could be, but we do have more needs. And this running back class is deep. If you can just get somebody else that falls there and then you take one of these other guys, third, fourth round, like Eric Gray or something like that, like, or Zach Evans or Tank Bigsby, like, I feel like that would be more my, my desire, but I can't hate it. I still would brute the shit out of B. John Robinson and the Cowboys. So like, that's the other thing. Yeah, I mean, you might not need it, but I'd absolutely love it from a fantasy perspective if we did land yeah. there. And and with that, another guy that I really love going on to, to the stud wide receiver that you've selected. Yeah, JSN, Jackson Smith to Jigba. Um, that's my guy. Like, and and that was my guy before he ran his 40, like what, a week ago? And everybody's like, oh shit, look at he's fast. <laughs> like, so um the that the, he's just he's just 
when you're looking at the wide receiver position overall, I think Jason's the safest. Like, I think these other guys, it's tough. Addison, I think there's some question marks about his ability to kind of create separation. I don't know about his speed. Quentin Johnson, he lost two inches. Um, and then you look at like, hey, you know, we thought he was 6'4 doing the things he was doing. Now we know he's 6'2 doing the things we're doing. And I like him. Um, but do you like him enough to where you're comfortable saying, hey, that's my guy I'm going to go grab? JSN to me is that he's going to just create targets. And I think I think we over, we, we outsmart ourselves sometimes in this. Who does he play for? Oh, Ohio State. What do they produce? Oh, wide receiver one. And it's that simple. Like, I, I, I think, you know, JSN can do that. Um, I was a huge JSN guy last year. Uh, I mean, I've been on him since his freshman year, but I said two years ago, I was like, hey, he could be one of the, he could be the second leading receiver. And he was right behind Wilson and then Olave was there. Um, Jason can do a lot of different things. And, and this whole nonsense about him not being able to play outside, I think is going to be tested. Because I do think he played outside in Texas 6A ball in Texas. He could play outside. He didn't have to at Ohio State. I think he would have had to last year, but he didn't get on the field. So I think that's where we didn't see him. But I don't. I think it's kind of nonsense. I think he can play outside if he needs to. I think he can play inside, but I don't really know if he needs to on the outside. Look at what these guys do from a fantasy perspective when they play in a slot. I don't think that necessarily matters. I think that's an archaic way of looking at the receiver position now. We're in 2023, new offenses, spread. We're looking at different stuff. Jason's going to fit right there. And if you can get this dude at 106, like in a lot of mocks I've seen, you're excited because I think he's a clear tier where he, he needs to be. Yeah, no, you took the words right out of my mouth there. I think that the only knock I see that people have with, with JSN is always primarily being that, that slot wide receiver, but it seems to be the trap that we always fall into. You just got to look at, obviously, Justin Jefferson. He was labeled as that slot wide receiver and the way he did the NFL. And like you said, Jackson Smith and Jigba, yeah, he has played predominantly in the slot, but like you mentioned, you just got to look at who we played alongside in 2021. When Chris Alave and Garrett Wilson are on either side, you don't really need to put JSN out there, to be honest, and there's nothing wrong with him being that dominant slot wide receiver. And you mentioned, I think he can be used on, on the outside as well. Looking at 2021, I'd look at the, the deep targets, and he had 18 targets, 13 receptions, 424 yards and five touchdowns. So that's 32.6 yard per reception. So I think he's got it with him as well in the realms of possibility of being an outside and being able to, to dominate on on the outside and on the on the deep routes as well. So I feel like this is just the tip of the iceberg. People are viewing him as that slot wide receiver, but just wait, if he gets into the NFL, he does get those opportunities outside as well. I think the ceiling is potentially even higher than what people give him, give him credit for right now. And, and as it is right now, I think he's incredible. So yeah, I'm really excited by JSN as well. Yeah, you've only got to look at uh, Garrett Wilson and Chris Alave, and they both have said that JSN is the best wide receiver in the, of the three. So just tells you all you need to know. Um, yeah, separated himself as the wide receiver one um, in his combine. And then his, his pro day where he did run a quick 40. I mean, yeah, as, as you mentioned, he, he can play outside. He's going to play mostly in, in the slot. Um, but he's versatile. He's explosive with that, the line of scrimmage. Excellent on release. He wins on his release. And then you've only got to look at people like C.D. Lamb and Cooper Cup and how amazing they are for fantasy. And those play, those guys play most of their time in, in the slot. So for fantasy, Jason's going to be a great pick. He's going to be... Super high floor um, with a high ceiling as well. So, yeah, excited about JSN and um, easily the wide receiver one. Yeah, I think when I'm first of all, I'm not great at uh, drafting rookie wide receivers. Like I was on Terrace Marshall big time, which didn't really end up well. And I'm hoping I don't find the same same track with this one because obviously, if you if you're going to draft him based on Ohio State, then Terrace Marshall, he had Chase and Jefferson before him. So maybe that clouded my vision a little bit. Maybe we'll get on to another form of LSU wide receiving a little bit as well. But I think it is a totally different situation. Obviously, Alave and Wilson, fantastic. JSN, he was as good as them, in my opinion, at a younger age. So uh, there's low slight there. I think it is a when you're trying to sort of determine that tier of wide receivers, personally, I think there's about six that I really like. And I've got JSN in that tier, but he is the first one that I'm going to take in that tier because I think just basing it on Alave, on Garrett Wilson, on what he's done. I mean, the analytics guys will look at something like college dominator rating. It's a low percentile because of where he was and the time missed, etc. So I think if you're factoring that, he is the clear wide receiver one in this uh, class for me. So, um, just, I'll just ask you a quick question, Kevon. Obviously, we've mentioned Alave, Wilson, and JSN. Who is the best prospect coming out? Oh, of the three? Yeah, so, um, so don't factor in what's happened in like this season because obviously 
JSN is going to come last, but who's the best prospect coming out? So truthfully, based on my rankings where I would have had him, Wilson was one of my like top wide receivers ever coming out in terms of like his, his and, and Jamar. I, um, I had Jamar pretty high in Justin. I was really high in Justin too, but Garrett Wilson was one of my favorite prospects coming out. So I put Garrett Wilson there. I put JSN at two and in Olave it was three. I noticeably missed on Olave a little bit. It wasn't like it was like the late breakout. I still liked him more than like I wasn't drafting Sky Moore over him or anything. I wasn't crazy, but like I I did have him a little little lower in terms of like where he was at. So I'd I'd rank him there. I'd Wilson to me like I feel like Wilson should be a top seven dynasty wide receiver right now. Like the, the, to me, and then even before that coming in last year, I got mocked and ridiculed. I was saying, hey, you got to draft Garrett Wilson. He's your wide receiver one. And people were like, no, it's you know Traylon Burks and all this stuff. And I was like, no, Garrett Wilson has that talent. And so um, Wilson and then I could JSN right there. I think it's close, though. I, I think JSN's in a tier below. But I, I think he can he can elevate his game and be that guy. And in a lot of it, just, that dude just scores touchdowns and catches balls. Like, that's just that's exactly, that guy's that's just dear. But I, I do think that's how I'd rank those three. Yeah, no, high praise indeed for, for JSN. Looking forward to see where he gets selected, when he gets selected. And, and like I said, I think he's going to be great for fantasy. So we've talked about, we've spoken about three studs already, three guys that are elite prospects in, in this upcoming class. Now we're going to the tight end position and you, you've gone for a bit of a, a change of direction here, Kevin, and I, and I love it, to be honest. Who's the stud tight end that you, you're looking to target? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm just, you know, this is one of those things. This is my like guy that I've li- <laughs> I've liked for a little while. And, and we already talked, we know about Mayer and Darnell and those guys, but Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. Um, I, I, I really like this kid and I, and I think he's going to get second round draft capital. Uh, I, I know from a lot of the case, you know, from what I've seen from like draft pundits and stuff like that, this tight end class is loaded. There's a lot of studs in this tight end class, like a lot of solid guys that are going to be in the league for a while. But Musgrave, man, he's got, he is just a multi-sport kid. So you love that about him. Um, he's got NFL pedigree. So when you're looking at his family, they got the bloodlines. The Musgrave family um, is all throughout the NFL. So you like that. And I think that he fits NFL tight ends now his position versatility like he can be moved in line he can be in the slot like he he has that and and the only thing that you the thing that you can't say about him, he doesn't have a high level of production so you know his best season 304 yards was his junior year 2021 but last year he got hurt but i actually went and saw him play in the set in the game that he got injured in against fresno state he could not be guarded like the defense was keen on and they were double teaming this kid. They had nothing else on the outside and Musgrave was just carving them up. Like, and he was physical. Um, I do think he needs to work on his run blocking to get out there. But if you're drafting this kid, you're looking at him as a Y tight end, use him all over the field, get him, get him in the seam, kind of get him on the out routes, those type of things um, can be a very good seam tight end in the league. And I mocked, you know, I comped him to Greg Olson. So I said that he could be like his ultimate ceiling could be Greg Olson. Like when you're looking at how he plays, um, his his kind of, you know, his size, his frame, um, mismatches in the red zone. Like I think he could be a touchdown guy. Um, those are the things that you love about Luke. Uh, and third round draft cap or third round ADP right now, like he's later. So like if you're looking at like, hey, I want to grab that elite guy in the first, the second round, I don't want to reach on Kincaid and these other guys. Maybe I want a running back like Bigsby or – Ty J Spears or someone there. And you're like, Hey, third round, I'll take a shot on a tight end. Who's there. Musgrave has been consistently there. And I think with that upside, I think with the depth of the position, you're okay. waiting on these guys. And if you're going to wait on somebody, you take someone with a pretty, you know, good athletic athletic score. Um, and a guy like this, that could just catch balls. And I think that's what you're looking at. Yeah, we do, we do like Luke Musgrave. In fact, we we generally love big athletic tight ends on on the world cards. Um, and when <laughs> when you look at the tight ends in Dynasty, there's there seems to always be the three or four at the top, and then there's just a massive group of tight ends from, down from about six to to twenty. And you're looking for guys that can break out of that tier. And certainly, I always look for athletic guys. So um, Luke Musgrave is someone that I'm definitely excited about. And as you mentioned, he looks set to, to get second round draft capital, which is always always really nice for a tight end, um, especially with one with such an upside. Um, and just looking into him, his his hometown is called he's from Bend in Oregon, which is yeah. which is quite fitting because this guy can absolutely bend and he's oily smooth at the hips. So um, yeah, we know that he, he had a, a really fast forty time at the, the combine. He was the fourth fastest tight end. The broad jump and the vertical were really good. Um, it's just yeah, just been frustrating not to not to see more of him in in college because it could have held him back even more. Um, but yeah, certainly a guy that I'm looking at in that third round is someone that can maybe break out of that big tight end tier and elevate into the the top sort of six or seven. Absolutely love this, to be honest. Um, yeah, I, I talked up Musgrave. He's not the tight end one, he's the tight end three, but actually 
um, Kincaid, Maya, and Musgrave. I have them all in the same tier. I know I have to pay us anywhere near those prices to to get Musgrave. So yeah, really like him. I think he's a little bit untapped as well because he had what the short season for COVID and then an injury this season, uh, an injury this season. So. Yeah, I think he's not on many people's radars, but he, he really deserves to be a top three tight end for me. So um, I'm going to have having plenty of him. Yeah, you're fully right. Definitely going under the radar. I think he didn't even have like 50 receptions, did he, in his four years in college? So I think for that reason, people maybe overlook him, don't really know too much about his game. But like you mentioned, Kev, he's, but when he has been on the field, he's, he's produced. You look at his, his yards per outrun, his, his yards per reception. He's basically like a, a wide receiver in those stats, even though he's playing yeah. tight end. He is really versatile, can be used all over the field. And... Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting case study moving into into the NFL draft, seeing where he gets selected, and then obviously for fantasy, um, if you're still able to get him in, in those third rounds, I think you're getting a, a potential stun. As I say, a guy that's that's really going under the radar. So, um, like I've mentioned that he's got in tight end three. You obviously you're obviously high on him, Kevin. Whereabouts you have him in in your rankings? You're right there with Kevin. Is he in your your top tier in, in these these tight ends or? No, I should know this off the top of my head. Yeah, he's tied in three for me. Like, he's in yeah. that three. Just as a – because, like, I like Darnell. Darnell's, like, very – Darnell Washington's going to be a freaking beast tight end. I don't know how big of a fantasy asset he's going to be. Mm-hmm. So, like, for me, like, I can't place Darnell ahead of Luke because of this pass-catching upside in there. So, like, I still have Mayer, though. Mayer is just solid to me. Like, if you're looking for just a solid guy you can draft, Mayer's there. Kincaid is interesting because he didn't test. So, like, I don't know what the hell is going on with him. That dude just basically said, Daniel Jeremiah said, I'm going to be a first-round pick, so I'm not going to test ever again. Like, I'm just going to show up to draft. Like, because he, he hasn't tested, and he didn't test his pro day. So, like, I think that there's going to be some questions there. So, yeah, I have I have Kincaid there because he can he's definitely like Musgrave, and he has more production. Um, and in Musgrave's there, I think. I think when you're looking at the tight end as a whole, like, I, I like them. I, I'm a little higher on Laporta, too. I have Laporta, um, like, in my top four. Yeah. Now, I think he's a guy that's definitely going to gain height. Like you mentioned at the Combine, he produced really well. I think he's Lance Zerline's top-ranked um, tight end on his yeah. on his film grade. So I think that the hype's going to build, obviously, once the NFL draft happens. If, if he does get that day two capital, then, yeah, it's going to continue to grow. But we, we've gone through the, the each position that, that you love, the studs, the guys that you're targeting. So we're now going to go to to the sad part, the part where we're going to be dunking on some of these guys, some of these guys that you're going to be avoiding in, in your rookie draft. So we're going to obviously start at the, the quarterback <clears throat> position. Who's your quarterback dud for, for this year? Yeah, you couldn't pay me to take Will Levis in a rookie draft. <laughs> like, and if I miss, I miss. Like, if it's one of the, like, I've been out on Levis, I, even before the year, I said, I don't know what the hell everybody sees in Levis. And then he had a worse year than he did the year before. And now all of a sudden people are still on him. Um, you know, to me, he's, so we comped on the Carson Wentz. So if you like Carson Wentz and you like his, like, what he is as a prospect and, like, you think that's a ceiling, then, then I guess, like, I understand it from like certain perspectives, like, cause he does have good arm strength. Um, he does. And you see the pro day stuff and you see all the stuff out there and they talk about him. Um, but no one ever had a bad pro day. I'll tell you that right now. No <laughs> one's ever had like, Oh shit, this guy looked bad. Um, so like he looked good there. Uh, he does. Now I will say that of all these guys, like I think he has really good mechanics, but only when he has a clean pocket. When this dude gets pressured, it falls apart. So when you're just watching the tape, like that's where he struggled this last year. Kentucky had a pretty good offensive line in 2021. I think they ranked in the top 25 um, as their offensive line stats in terms of like um, pressures allowed. And then last year they were decimated. So they were at the bottom 75. And you saw now I get offensive lines important for a quarterback, but like he has no ability to go outside of structure. So you saw the 10 interceptions. You saw his rushing take a big hit. Like um, people were talking about him being a rushing upside. You guys remember last year when people were talking about Sam Howell being like a QB one because he could run. And I was I like, do. what the hell is happening? Like <laughs> what is going on? And like, I got like, yell. I, I remember saying like, what the hell is going on here? Like they were saying that with Levis too this year. And then like, you can see that he, like, yeah, he's got functional athleticism, but he, he's not going to run anywhere um i think the biggest thing for me is like inconsistent doesn't read defense as well and i really think he has anticipation issues and and okay this other nonsense about him not having like a very good like you know personnel around him yes he did tavion robinson was good barry and brown might be one of the best wide receivers in call in the sec this year dan key was really good uh rondale robinson remember him like he looked pretty good before he, he injured himself like 
Chris Rodriguez, like he's had really good people around him. Um, and he kind of needs everything to kind of come together. So like for me, like I get it. Like if you're, if you're late, it's the 110, 111. So I have him, I have him valued at the 110. If he's at the 110, I'd probably, if I have the 110 and I need a quarterback, I'm probably going to trade the 110 for like a veteran and let someone else take the, take the risk with Levis. If he's sitting there like a rebuilding team, um, but that's where I have him valued. Like I, I don't, I don't want him. Like it, he's one of those. If I miss, I miss. Hey, whatever. I'll shake his hand. You did a great job. Like <laughs> hey, you, you overperformed. But um, I just, he's got to get everything right for him. Where he's getting mocked right now, I don't necessarily love it. Um, the Raiders, some of these other places. Like um, I just mocked him in my 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 uh, mock drafts coming out this week to the Tennessee Titans don't hate it because that's a pretty good system for him to go into. And that's one of the things that he could kind of rely on. Um, but just from a fantasy perspective, I just kind of out, like, I just don't, I just, I just don't want to take the risk. Yeah. I'll, I'll love your breakdown. And to be honest, I will think he went and you nailed it in the, in the uh, summary then. So yeah, I completely agree. I think he's, uh, he is a bust. Um, I sort of made mistakes last year by going after Kenny Pickett just on the base. I thought I could sell him and his market value has risen as expected, but nobody's buying him from me. So I'm not <laughs> going to make a mistake and I'm going to do what you said. If he's there at the end of the first, I'm going to trade for someone like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, someone like that. Let someone else take the risk. And uh, also, if you're looking at Lewis's surname, it's, it's basically an anagram of vile, isn't it? So he's vile. <laughs> Yeah, I think obviously with playing all in, in super flex leagues, everybody says that the, the quarterbacks, you, you need these quarterbacks. Obviously, they do hold higher value in, in super flex, but I don't know about you guys, but I'm just getting flashbacks to like 2021 when we had like Zach Wilson and you feel like you've got to take this quarterback because he's a quarterback, you're playing super flex, they've got value, you have to take the quarterback and then you look at guys like um, Jamar Chase in, in that year. I mean, if you were sitting on, on that spot thinking, well, I can go for Chase or, or Zach Wilson, but I've got to take the quarterbacks at super flex, that feels like the same mistake that people could be making this year by taking Will Levis over somebody like a, a JSN. It feels like you've got to make the move quarterback, but trust me, yeah, Will Levis, I'm, I'm with you guys. It is not it for me. It's somebody I won't be getting in many of my rookie drafts. Like you said, if you're getting him at the end of the first, then yeah, I'm okay with that, but I'll not be passing up any of these stud wide receivers, stud running backs to, to get a quarterback just because it's, it's a super flex league. Yeah, I put a post on Twitter yesterday or a couple of days ago about... If Levis is on the board and you've still got, say, Addison um, and Johnson on the board, is he in that same, similar tier? And a lot of people say, well, it's super flex. You've got to take got to take the uh, the quarterback. So hopefully I'm against them guys in my rookie drafts and they can uh, they can take him and let let the guys, the wide receivers drop to me. Um, we also don't like him because every time I put him, I type him in on my phone, it comes up as Levi's, as in the Levi's jeans, which is a pain <laughs> in the ass. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm out on Levis. There's a massive teardrop from the other quarterbacks to, to Levis. So just a question, Kev, on you. Um, how how far is, is Hendon Hooker off um, Will Levis for you as a, as a quarterback prospect this year? They're right next to each other. I, I, I would, I think Hooker would be higher if he didn't tear his ACL. Like if Hooker <laughs> did not tear, tear his ACL, he'd probably be just like a little bit higher, but I, I know that people like Hendon, but Hendon does have like some mechanic issues. He's got like, he was in the perfect offense at Tennessee for him. Pushed the ball vertically. Didn't have to worry about a lot of pass rush. Cause they get the ball out quick. Like um, there are some red flags in Hendon's um, profile, but like if I'm an NFL team, I'd rather take a shot in Hendon in the second or third than waste a top 15 pick on Will Levis. And that's how I would kind of look at them as prospects. That's that's generally how I'm looking at it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think I agree with Kevin, to be honest. I think I prefer the upside of, of somebody like Hendon Hooker rather than taking a, a shot at Will Levis at a higher price as well in, in fantasy. But with that, we, we've dunked on the quarterback. We'll, we'll move on to a running back now that, that you're labeling as your dud, the guy that you'll you'll be avoiding in your upcoming rookie drafts. Who's your, your dud running back? Yeah, and this has been my dud running back for this entire, I don't know, last year. Uh Sean Tucker. Uh he was getting I don't he's getting some weird buzz um everywhere in fantasy. Uh I, I mean we so we have a few leagues where we draft before uh the NFL draft and we drafted like I don't know three weeks ago because we're stupid. Um and Sean Tucker went 104. And wow. Be because Jesus. of this pre-draft like that was around that time they're like oh yeah he's a great athlete he is all this 
and and Sean Tucker has not run any of his stuff unless you unless you call a camcorder on a field um, <laughs> and posting his own highlight tapes and people trying to figure out what his four three is or uh, what a forty was at four three or whatever. Like that's a that's that's a big red flag to me. And like when those yeah. things happen, just these red flags pop up in your profile. And he already had a lot of red flags for me. Um, like we're out. And I think also from a fantasy perspective, I think guys liked him cause he caught passes and he could, and he's very explosive. He has good athleticism and he can do those things. But from like a draft perspective, when the draft guys, cause I'm in some groups where like, it's just draft guys, like, and they hate fantasy. So they always talk crap to me, but like, they're just draft guys and they're really plugged in on the draft side. Like I remember, and I'll never forget this DM where we got in the group. Like it was about probably beginning of January. This guy goes, why do people like Sean Tucker? He really struggles with his patience behind blocks. He's like, Hey, second level. He really struggles with trying to find, find the seams. Like he's like, I wouldn't touch this guy until like day three. And like that started this kind of like thing in there of like draft guys are like, yeah, I don't know what people see in Sean Tucker. I don't understand it. And now we're sitting at us probably what I think he'll probably get drafted behind, you know, Ty J Spears, maybe Eric gray, maybe some of these guys. Um, and to me, I've never, I don't think I've even drafted him in a mock. Like I, I, I don't want Sean Tucker on my roster. Um, I think it's too many red flags. I think if you're comping him to anybody, the ceiling comp is kind of Miles Sanders with what he did with the Eagles. He gets on that roster scores in the red zone and does that. But to me, it's just, it's just too high. He, some guys really like him. I had some people had him as a running back too. Um, and that, that to me is just too, too much for me. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Kevin. He's somebody that's never really stood out to me. I think, like you mentioned, there was a little bit of buzz, obviously, all that thing on, on Twitter with him recording his own his own 40 time and, and showing those highlights. is kind of building his own little bit of buzz. But, I mean, when you're looking at him, there's not a great deal. That, I mean, obviously, yeah, he does have the certain traits that, that stand out to you. But in terms of his production, everything, is it's not like it doesn't wow you, I don't think. And he kind of just falls into that middle tier of running backs for me. But, yeah, because he does seem to get that, that extended hype, it, Kind of just puts me at a range where I'm just not comfortable in taking that chance on him. And like you mentioned, obviously right now we're, we're pre-NFL draft. If, if he falls to day three, then I don't know how he can can still be in on this guy because he is just, like I said, he, he's just that middle of the road running back that while he has some some good traits to him, he just doesn't really stand out for me from that that solid tier of running backs in this obviously already deep running back class. So yeah, I'm right there with you. I think with the, the hype and the, the value that he's currently at, at the minute, He's somebody that I'll I'll definitely not be drafting, and I doubt that I'll have any shares. Might have to take one just just in case because you never know. But yeah, like <laughs> you said, is is somebody that like you mentioned with, with Levis. I'll I'll hold my hands up and say I was wrong with the, this guy if he does perform well. But um, for me, I, I don't personally see it at this moment in time. Yes, um, he's, he seems to be going higher in the mock drafts that I've done than than I like to take him. And yeah, it's just funny we have to believe that he ran what was it four point three three. Just believe me, I've done it, guys. Uh, but yeah, 52 targets. <laughs> I mean, you like to see that that number, but um, sometimes he really doesn't look natural and comfortable catching passes. He's not a natural hands catcher. Um, but he did have a big workload. And the only thing is he was he's pretty poor at pass protection. So you just wonder what, how much is he going to see the field with, with those issues? Um, and he does make dumb decisions. And I think he's going to rely more than some of the other running backs on the, the actual landing spot. Um, I think he needs to be in the right system on the right offense to to really prosper. A bit like, as you mentioned, Miles Sanders did. So, yeah, I'm, pre- I'm out on the, the cost right now. Yeah, literally when you said Miles Sanders, that's two. The last two you've absolutely nailed. Like, you must be doing some sort of like mind control onto me, but uh, maybe it's a Kev thing. But, yeah, I just agree with everything you said. Like, I think there was a lot of hype about him, and it seems as we've dug further and further into it that, it's sort of the hype's gone now and yeah you've there's there's not a lot going in his favor really i think red flags probably seventh eighth ninth rookie taken in real life drafts so yeah it just depends where it goes in your rookie drafts i think if he somehow scrapes day day two and you're getting him at the end of round two in a rookie draft i think that's that's fair game but i can't see it happening now if i'm honest yeah, no, absolutely. And Kev, you just mentioned there about red flags. We're going to move on to to Kevin, your dud wide receiver. And this guy, we, we've been seeing plenty of his red flags um, coming to the surface in, in recent times. So who's your dud wide receiver? This one hurts, but <laughs> it, it, it's Kayshawn Butte. Like when you're looking at what Kayshawn, I was a big Kayshawn guy just in terms of like his overall talent before he got injured um, his sophomore year. 
he was on his way to be in the wide receiver one easily, like, you know, explosive in routes after the catch, you know, really good scheme versatility. Like I thought he could play on the outside and the inside, like as a slot guy too. Like, um, and like he's dominant in the sec. You're like, Oh my God, this kid is really good as a freshman. He broke out. Like, yeah, that kind of a breakout season. And like, you're like, okay, this guy's going to step up. And ever since that injury, there's been so many damn red flags and I, I was looking past them. I was doing my best. I was like, all right, listen, he's going to go to the combine and this kid is going to just crush it. And then, you know what? He got to the combine and had one of the worst combines I've ever seen for a guy that needed it. Like if you go into a job interview and you know, you have to crush it and you show up out of, you know, overweight and just not ready to roll. Like, that's a problem. Like, that's a huge red flag to me. And I see guys still talking about him as like an early second round pick. I don't know how you can invest that type of draft capital in, in what his profile was. Like, there's some draft people saying he's not going to get drafted, which I don't think is going to happen. But if he's, I mean, what are we like, if that's the case right now, you can't invest like a second round pick in this kid. And like, I get it. If he's in the third and you have a couple extra thirds and you want to take a shot in case that's fine. Cause I do think he's, I think he's freaking talented when he's on, but when the hell is he going to be on? I think that's the thing with him. And he's, I think that with him, it's all in his head. I don't think it's anything physical. I think it's mental. And I, with those type of things, you want to bet on those because we've seen these kids kind of fall off before. I'm rooting for him as a person, and I hope that he goes out there and, and, and balls out. Like, we comped him to Godwin, and I don't know, like, that's his ceiling before the before his, his RAS score and everything came out and his combine. Um, but he could be that versatile kid if he steps up. But, like, I just don't know how you can take a chance on him unless you have some extra capital that you're willing to throw on him, like – and it's sad because I love this kid. Like I really, I was really rooting for him at the combine. But once he did that, like I'm kind of just, I'm, I, I'm kind of out. Yeah, I mean, what is his agents? Well, the people advising him, if they knew he was going to be that poor at the combine, what yeah. were they doing? Because as you mentioned, he needed that for his stock, and it just made it even worse. Um, and it's just been frustrating because we seem to have been talking about Butte for a long time as the next big thing to come out of LSU, and this just doesn't look like it's going to happen now. And yeah, there's a mystery there to be solved. And I, I think you, you summed up perfectly. It's in his head. It's whether he can he can sort out his head, get get himself on a better playing field and um, with the right organisation as well. And there needs to be a team that's going to take on his issues and try and sort him out. Um, but we just know the talents there. I mean, that game against, was it Ole Miss? 308 receiving yards was just insane. And um, yeah, he, you love what he can do on the field. He looks like he can catch the ball and, and it'll be a home run every single time. But then... We just don't see it enough. It's, it's in spits and spans. And um, and then you add in, obviously, the off-the-field issues as well. Um, and his, his contested catch rate is also pretty poor as well. Uh, so there's, there's pl plenty of issues there. Um, he's going sort of, what, mid-second, sometimes early second round. And it's just far too high for me, especially if he's going to get low draft capital. So, again, it's probably going to be a guy that, that I'm out on. Yeah, it's pretty funny that he's he's called Booty and he's an info in it. It's uh, it's, it's pretty funny that, but yeah, just let's say he's a round three wide receiver and he's going early round two in your rookie drafts. He's just a bad bet at that price. Like, mm -hmm. if he's a if he's a quality wide receiver, he's going to go earlier than that in most cases. Yes, there are guys that are going round three in the NFL draft that are good, like Godwin, for example. Um, but there's plenty that are terrible. I mean. He's, he's actual comp on NFL.com on line is Terrace Marshall. You know what happened to him. That's the second time I've mentioned him tonight. Go Terrace. But um, yeah, just a guy that a lot of risks to be, to be going after at his current price in rookie drafts. A wide receiver spot as well, which we are a term roster cloggers a lot if they're not in the top 50, 60. What's the point of rostering them? So yeah, booty. Bye bye. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that we're talking about Keishon Booty. It kind of circles back to, to what I asked you, Kevin, at the start about obviously being a Devi guy and that connection that you you have to these players. I mean, I'm not the, the biggest Devi guy, obviously I follow you and all your stuff and the Devi Royale, but even I knew about Keishon Booty in that freshman year and when he came out, he was the big buzzword and everyone was mentioning being the, the wide receiver one. He was going to be this great, the, the next great wide receiver to to, to, to come out of LSU and then obviously it's kind of took a, a derail and, and I've tried my best to cling on to him like you mentioned Kevin didn't really want to give up on him because you've seen the potential there and what he did um, from such a young age but 
like you mentioned, that the amount of red flags that are coming out, the fact that he went to the combine and that was his make or break shot and he failed at that. If if he does fall in, in the NFL draft, like Kev mentioned, it's it's just a really bad bet to, to make on going for somebody like Keishon Butte, given what we've seen, the, the red flags there. Yeah, it's worth that that low risk um, kind of move, like you mentioned, if you get him in, in round three of your rookie drafts. And yeah, maybe it is take, worth taking a shot on him because we know the talent is there. We, we've seen it from him from a, from a young age, but it's just... There's just too many red flags for me to, to take a risk on him and seeing how high he's going, people still clinging on to him being a top wide receiver in this class. And there's just too many red flags for me to, to be there. So, yeah, I fully agree with you, Kevin, that he's definitely somebody that I doubt will be having just because of the, it's kind of the name tag, isn't it? It's like the name value that you're getting from him because people have been on him for, for so long. So, yeah, definitely somebody that, that I'll be avoiding. And with that, we're now going to finish on, on the tight ends, a name that you've already mentioned on, on this show, Kevin. So, who's your dud tight end? Yeah, I want to make it clear so I don't get canceled out there. I like Darnell Washington as like a tight end. Like I do. I think he's solid. Like I would, I, I comped him to Martellus Bennett. So from Chicago, old, old Martellus Bennett. We love Martellus Bennett. Like I think that would be perfect for him. Like really good blocker. Um, he'd be great in 12 personnel. So if he finds himself on a 12 personnel, I think he immediately gives them an upgrade on the run blocking part of it. I think he'd benefit from being in like a play action heavy system kind of that allows him to exploit mismatches, one-on-one -on -one opportunities. Like if he goes somewhere like that, then you're really excited. Um, I also think he'd benefit from going to a team that has – you know, legit dudes on the outside. So the Bengals, right? Let's say they have Higgins and they got Boyd and they got Chase where they can't get double team him in the red zone. Like those things would excite me. So like landing spot dependent, he might not be a dud anymore. If he goes someplace where I think that maybe he can be that touchdown upside guy in the red zone, then okay, maybe. But as far as like where he's going right now, I mean, I see him going as high as tight end too. And to me, like, I do think he struggles. He has inconsistent hands at times. Like when you watch the tape, there is that. He did not command a very high target share. And again, this is where I kind of differentiate people that have watched college football and not looking at just the numbers. Yes, Brock Bowers was there. And yes, Brock Bowers did command a pretty big target share. And Brock Bowers is probably, according to the last Dynasty market deal with Debbie included, he's tied in three. That's how crazy Brock Bowers is getting valued right now. And for good reason, Brock Bowers is very good. But Darnell, like Georgia didn't have very good outside wide receivers like they have never really had good weapons on the outside so darnell should have still commanded a pretty sizable target share and he didn't do that like last year you did see kind of that bump up 400 yards two touchdowns but even then i think it was a lot because of the injuries that they had and, and he did have it a little bit but i just don't ever see him being that elite top eight guy going into it and if you're drafting them kind of tied into like i just think for me the value doesn't maybe work for fantasy purposes so that's kind of why i'm out injury history as well he has been banged up a lot even in high school he got banged up he's a big kid like you see this kid somewhere he'd whoop your ass and kill you like he's a he's gonna get on that field and he's gonna he's gonna pop you like this kid is a legitimate dude like athlete gonna get out there i just this is strictly a fantasy like fantasy take i don't necessarily see him being a high fantasy output kind of guy that you can count on yeah, he's he's six ten, three hundred and twenty eight pounds. He's like the Undertaker, just like you said. He's 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 a phenom, isn't he? I think real life he's going to be fantastic. I I actually think he could sneak into round one of the of the NFL draft mm -hmm. this year, just based on what he is as a potential weapon in the red zone. He could have a ten touchdown season, cost could, but um, volume wise, I think teams are better suited to use him as a as a blocker in twelve personnel, like you mentioned, and get the most out of him that way. Um, it, it gives me vibes of some like the bigger OJ Howard, someone that's great in the run game, um, maybe never going to be a top five tight end. He might have a tight end six season. I think Howard was close to that before I got injured one of the times. But yeah, I think when you've got other guys going behind him like Musgrave, like Laporta, it's, it's a safer bet to take one of those guys that actually catch passes. Yep, again, completely agree. For me, this is going to be the biggest red herring out of all these players, I think, in, in fantasy football, because like you mentioned, that the size, the athleticism, people are going to absolutely fall in love with him for that. He's such a big dude. He's going to be a potential red zone threat. Um, but because he is so athletic, like Ali mentioned earlier, we, we fall in love with these athletic tight, athletic tight ends in, in fantasy. He's probably going to get that round one draft capital. Everything's going to point towards him being a stud. But then, like you mentioned, Kevin, does that 
then turn into it to fantasy points. That's where I question it. If you're in a, a points per block league, then yeah, you're going to love him. But I think he is going to be better for the NFL than he is for fantasy for the reasons you mentioned. We don't really have a great deal on him in terms of his production in, in college. So that's a red flag for me. Um, but as I say, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to make people think, yeah, this is this is a can't miss kind of bet on on a tight end in fantasy. But I think when you dig a little bit deeper, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons to be concerned with him for fantasy. But like you mentioned, in the NFL, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, but whether that turns to fantasy points, I have my doubts. Yeah, I think I saw him actually mock to the Packers this week at what pick 15, 16, whatever they've got. That's, I mean, if he gets. If he lands there, it's just going to shoot up his ADP even more, which I'll, which will mean that I'm out even more in him right now. Um, and then he had that pretty spectacular one-handed catch at the combine, which was everyone's like, "Wow, look how look how good he is!" Uh, but yeah, he's going to be a better real-life tight end, in my opinion, as well than than a fantasy producer. So um, yeah, just he's going slightly too high for me, so I'll definitely be out. Yeah, that and that brings us to, to the end of the first section of the show. But now we're going to move on to, to the exciting part of the show, the part that, that we're going to put Kev on the spot here. This is the fantasy wildcard section. So we're going to get Kev to, to give his, his fantasy wildcard selection, the player that their dynasty value is going to improve the most in, in 2023. Now, Kevin, obviously, there's a few names that we've said you can't have because obviously we've had guests on before. We don't want people picking and choosing the same kind of players. But you do have a pretty good selection of players to go for. So who is your fantasy wildcard selection? Yeah, I'm gonna. I gotta fix. I, I did. I did not do good in this last year. I picked. Well, I th- actually, I think I was actually like. I picked Juju, and I think he finished exactly the same spot. So that represents everything you want to know about Juju. Um, I, I'm gonna go Jerry Judy. So I'm, I'm taking Jerry on this one. I've never been a Judy stand, so don't yell at me out there. Like I've never actually been a Judy guy. I don't have any Judy. I just think I just did a video on him um, for football guys. I was diving into the numbers, and like I, I, I think. If anybody's prime for a breakout, like if anybody's prime for that kid that can step up, be that number one target getter on the team, if they do move off of Sutton, if he's in, you know, Peyton's offense, like there's so many things that you love to see about Jerry Judy going forward. This is the year. So like that's really that's my analysis. This is the year. <laughs> if Judy's gonna break out, he's in a good system. I think they're gonna have in Peyton's offense where he can actually earn those targets if he stays healthy. It would shock me not to see Judy jump up into that top 12, maybe like in that 12 to 15 range, like in value. Like I, if he stay, if he, if all those things align for him, like I know a couple of my buddies that are pretty high on Judy, like someone just um, Nick P2W fantasy, he just traded Judy uh, or he traded T Higgins in a, for Judy in a second. And I think that's high praise for Judy. And I think if he can kind of go out there and you're looking at points per game, Judy could be there. So I'll take Judy and just take the shot on him and hope that he, he falls through. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a great bet to make. Obviously, people are going to be down on, on the Broncos because of what happened last year and, and Russell Wilson having that down year. But like you've mentioned, with, with Payne coming in with that offense, I think he's in a prime position to to state that, take that step forward. Obviously, you being that Debbie guy, he was obviously a, a highly regarded prospect as well. So hopefully we can... We can see that that end result that, that we've been hoping for since he came into the NFL. And like you mentioned, the system that he's in now with Russell Wilson, hopefully taking that step forward. I think it's a great bet to make. So hopefully if we get you back on next year, Kevin, we can be we can be saluting your selection rather than just that <laughs> that mid-tier selection that you made last year. But yeah, absolutely. Absolutely love the, the, the pick. And with that, that brings us to, to the end of the show where we've obviously had Kev come on and, and talk about the upcoming rookie classes, studs and duds from from this class so before i let you go kevin please do let everyone know where they can find you anything that you, you might want to plug or that you're working on at the moment yeah you can find me um on twitter at the boys underscore 22 uh in if you you know if you like dynasty content um my stuff's over at football guys i have a weekly video over there on the youtube channel uh we have our college football show on the youtube channel over there every wednesday night at 9 p.m eastern um and then you can we have a patreon for debbie stuff so we just released a guide we do a manifesto uh every year and it's turned into bigger this year so we're already up to 311 pages um in march of all kinds of different content for everybody um it's three bucks a month uh and we also have dynasty content in there now we just released a dynasty combined dynasty debbie ranking so you played in college football leagues you can kind of trade value is the hardest i think for everybody like what the hell is this freshman quarterback ranked compared to russell wilson so what i we went in there me jay stein and christian williams we have a uh, consensus kind of dynasty debbie ranks and i think it's good to kind of see value so if you like that it's pretty cheap you can just go on there um check it out you can find it in my profile on twitter love it yeah ali kev any final thoughts on, on today's show Holly, we'll start with you 
Yeah, I mean, it's always good to get a, a proper good-looking Kevin come on, and it's always fun <laughs> when you come on, Kevin. Um, so yeah, cheers for for jumping on with us today. Talk about our first our first proper rookie show. Um, and yeah, your content that you're producing is is absolutely brilliant. So um, if anyone's not not following, then then jump in and and pay up for the Patreon. Yeah, just echoing what Ali said. What a great guest. Just so knowledgeable. We had to kick off draft season with with um, someone super super knowledgeable and an expert. So we've we've got the right guy. Um, like I said, best best kev we've had on for quite a while, to be honest. Probably since you last year. Um, but yeah, just if you're not following Kev, please do. Um, what a great follow. What a great guy as well. Yeah, and, and I'll finally just echo that. Thank you for coming on, Kevin. You know that, that we're all big fans of you and, and the work you do with Devon Royale, the football guys. Um, yeah, you're a big part of, of the, the 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 help that I get in, in Devi. I always tend to lean on, on your stuff because I do obviously rate the, the things that you're putting out there. So thank you for coming on. It's been an absolute blast. I enjoy that you didn't really slam me too much on this show, but now I've got some ammunition. <laughs> I've got your duds and studs. So if uh, if any of these go wrong, don't worry. I'll be I'll be putting that all over Twitter and, and dunking on Kevin because you know he loves it to, to, to do it to me. But yeah, thanks for coming on again, Kevin. And thank you for tuning in. Be sure to follow and subscribe on, on Twitter and YouTube at Fantasy Wildcard at Wildcard Dynasty. Join us for our show every Wednesday. And yeah, thanks once again. Have a good one. And we'll see you again soon. When you have the wild card, you have the power to change the game. <laughs>